So I want to kind of bring up speed if you haven't been with us. We're doing this six-week series on to save a family, building strong families, because we have a real burden for the family, not that anyone else doesn't, but, but we really uh, sense that there are families just being destroyed around us, and it just kind of it, it, uh, breaks our heart. It's just kind of devastating to see it. And so our hope is that we prayerfully consider this series, and we're going to roll through here, and that God's going to allow us, he's going to empower us to be better family members, Right? We want to break the myth that there's a perfect family, because there isn't a perfect family. But we want to affirm that there are strong families, families that can weather a storm together and not split apart like a, like a boat dashed on the rocks. And so that's what our hope is for this whole series, is that together we can learn to become better family members. Now, if you would turn with me, if you find a Bible, if you brought a Bible, go ahead and turn it. We're going to look at Deuteronomy Chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. So if you can find that and just stick your engagement sheet in that spot. We're not going to talk about that yet, but I want you to kind of mark that so we can get there quickly in a moment. So go ahead and uh, turn there. And while you continue to turn, we're going to start like we always do. We're going to, we're going to continue before the Lord in prayer. And so I'm going to ask if you would join me in prayer today. Father God, as we open your holy word, as we seek to know your will for our lives, as we seek to live a life that's glorifying to you today, Father, we pray that you would reveal yourself through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray that all the things that we came in with and even all our plans, Father, are set aside for yours. Because you know what we need, both individually and as a community, and that's what we want. And so today, Father, in every way, reveal yourself to us. We pray these prayers in confidence because we know the one who is saving us. We pray these things in his holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going we're gonna to continue, and um, I want to throw a little bit out about something else, right? We do think, we pray, we pray, we pray, and it's important. And I hope in your own life you're praying, you spend time in prayer. But after we finish this series up, we're going to do a series called Talking to God, which can be about prayer, because that's something else that's been on our hearts and minds here at Family Bible Church, empowering the church of Jesus Christ to pray. Uh, it's, it's a very powerful thing. So I don't know, I, you know, for us, it's been a long time since we did a baby dedication of our own, since we had one of ours dedicated, right? But I don't know um, what, what you want for your kids in your life, you know? But I bet if you would ask most parents... Especially if you think of a newborn, a parent of a newborn, the day after the baby's born, you look at that precious child. I mean, it is a miracle. And if I can plug something here for the young people, and this is almost like the way it goes now, but, you know, fight for your right to be present at the birth of your children, especially the women. <laughs> I'm kidding. You have to be there. I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. Guys, show up. And be there for the birth of your children. It's the most amazing, miraculous, family-building, bonding, ridiculous, horrifying experience you'll ever have in your life. But I'm telling you, you will be changed. So if I can advocate for that. So you talk to a parent the day after their child is born, and you say, and you just, they're just in that little clear cart, and they're beautiful. They're more beautiful than the rest of the kids in there, right? And because and, they're yours. And uh, you say, what do you want for young Nolan? And they say, only the best, only the best, right? And then you go through life and they, they start to grow up and they're more difficult than when they're little, believe it or not. Um, even though they don't have to have their diapers changed, they're still more difficult somehow than that. And, but you say, what do you want? And you know, as a parent, you're praying. If you're a parent of faith, you're praying and you're saying, only the best, only the best. And they go off to college, right? 
and your parents at home, and what are they praying? Only the best. It's what we want for our kids. I want to show you something. This has been an emotional week. We had a wedding last night. We had a baby dedication today, and it's Family Bible Church, and so it's always about family here anyway. And so I was rummaging around in my house, and, and I tortured Chris because I went and I found these. Do you know what these are? Huh? He's not even here. Where is he? He left. He went to go play Cajon. Look at my taller-than-me son. His feet are bigger than my feet. These were his shoes. And I got these shoes out because uh, I want to talk about them because, see, these are baby shoes, you know, if you're a guy, right? These are cute, right? Oh, gosh. Look at this. I want to show you something. So those, Chris is already, like, weepy. She's like, oh, the baby. She's my baby, right? I want to show you what I found, though. This is what I wanted to show you guys this morning anyway because when she got those for him, I'm like, well, those are cool. But look at these. Now, he's, he's like 15 going on 16, so go with me here, right? It's a trip down memory lane. Air Jordans. Oh. Whenever I played basketball in middle school and high school, we still had to wear Chuck D's, not because they were the slacker shoes, because the coach thought they were the only real basketball shoe. This was the epitome. This was the coolest. Look at this thing. Huh? That's right. What do you want for your son? Only the best. Because, you know, whenever he's like three months old, he's going to be getting big ups in his Air Jordans. His Air Jordans. Some of you guys know how tight I am. I want to show you. This is really funny. Look at this. It says original price, $35. But I got them, or Chris got them on sale for 18 You know, listen, there was something at that point in our life that we would say, we don't want just the plain old white baby. We want the Air Jordans. Nothing but the best for our kids. And today, that's what we want to talk about, is what is the best for our kids? What is it that if you could give them something, it would be the best thing you could ever give them? The best thing you could give them in life? Better than Air Jordans. One time I had a friend of mine who asked me, if you could be a superhero, what superpower would you want? What would be your one superpower? You know what I said? It was funny because I didn't think about it too much. I said, wisdom. And then he wrote back and he's like, it was kind of socially lighthearted, dude. You know, like flying or x-ray vision. <laughs> wisdom. <laughs> you know? I want to talk to you today about God's plan for your children and how you raise them. There's something better that you can give them. And, and you know, I want to point out something about this dusty old book that many of us don't even bother to read anymore. We say things like, it's irrelevant, it doesn't apply, it doesn't work, it doesn't make sense, I can't understand it. The beginning of this book is over 5,000 years old. 5,000 years of advice, of parenting, of skills, of God's discernment for what we should be doing. And then we watch... Dr. Phil instead. You know what I'm saying? I'm not bagging on Dr. Phil. We, we listen to, uh, what's the, um, Dear Abby, for the best advice you could possibly want, right? Into the newspaper, right? Seriously? We've been given a gift in the Word, and this gift is the gift of wisdom. And so today we want to talk about God's revelation to us of how we can parent children effectively, how we can raise 
wise children. And that's what I want. And I hope that's what you want. We're going to talk through it a little bit. So go ahead and flip your Bibles open now, if you're not already there, to um, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. And what we're going to find here is a template... God's plan for raising wise children. And it's in this one little verse. And if you're not going to make the connection, I'll make it for you. It's the verse that we read every time we dedicate a baby here at Family Bible Church. Every time we dedicate a child, we always read Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. So I just want to read it again with you now, just to hear it again. And then we're going to talk through the principles that are in here about how to raise wise children. Hear with me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be put upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And that's where we're going to stop there. You can read on if you want to, but we're going to stop right there. Because in those three Four verses is a plan for effective parenting. Effective parenting. We're going to break this down into three steps, and I'm going to show you here. The first one that comes right at the beginning is, this is, by the way, called Shema. If, you know, in the Jewish culture, it's called the Shema. Shema means listen, Israel. Hear it, right? This is a big deal in the Jewish culture as well. Step one to raising wise children is to love God. You see, a lot of times whenever we want to parent our kids, we want to look at well, what can we do to make them better? This is where the disconnect happens right away as a parent. Let me get on a program so my child can be better. Listen to what the word says. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh, that's the creator God, by the way, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the creator God, is one. Love Yahweh, your creator, with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. That's everything you have. Now see, I think that the reason that we often want another Dr. Phil solution is because that seems, well, maybe too hard. If my kids growing up properly depends on me living properly, well, they're doomed, right? Our first call as a parent is to love God and I know we've talked about this before, and I can tell you at the birth of my first son, the one with the cute shoes, I was not a believer in Jesus Christ, but I can tell you that at his birth, something happened that was so far beyond my ability to construct or explain or know, I broke down and I prayed to a God I didn't even know. I said, God, help me out here. No matter where you are in your journey with God, you are somewhere on the journey. And, and in that place, you can, you can begin to pursue and to follow and to listen and to pray. But the command for those of us who are believers is even stronger. And we hear this in the New Testament too. So this isn't like, well, that's in the Old Testament. I don't live by it. Listen, it's the same thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Right? Now we're going to talk about three things here, but it's the heart of the matter. You love the God with everything that you're passionate about, everything that you love, everything that stirs you in your stomach. Turn those things back towards God. 
You know, if you think that the things that you're passionate about were a mistake, you're wrong. God gave you those passions for what? His glory. Love the Lord with everything in your heart. Let it all turn back to him and some way or the other glorify your creator through it. Love him with your heart. And the next thing it says is love him with your soul. And we have this idea of soul. You know, do I have a soul or is it a spirit and how it works? But I want to say it, we have breath of life. And every time you do this, you know, bring glory to God. Love God through the things that you say, the, the things that you exert energy on, the things that, you're, you know, that, that cause you to breathe every day. Our first call as parents is to love God. I think that we get the order all wrong and everything's broken. We don't understand why it's broken. The challenge is to us individuals to love God with everything in our heart and everything that we, you know, all of our breath, all of our life, all of our soul, our spirit, everything together. And then the third thing is obvious, right? Love God with all your strength, right? So it's not just a matter of like, a, 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 you know, my heart, I'm passionate about it. And it's not just a matter of, oh, I'm going to talk to you about it and I'm going to, you know, thank God for my breath every day, but it's going to be, then I'm going to go and I'm going to do stuff. You know, we talked about the silver ring thing. Or we're going we're gonna to go and we're going to show somehow through what we do, through the gifts that we have, through the passions that we have, through the abilities that we have, we're going to go and we're going to demonstrate our love for God. Because love is something you do, not something you feel. Do you hear what I'm saying? Tell your wife you love her and then treat her really badly all the time. That is not a cohesive message. Tell your husband you love him and then don't treat him well. Tell your children you love them and then ignore them. Love is something we do for one another. And it's the same with God. And so we turn all our passions and all of our breath and all of our strength back to the one who made us. The one who knit us together in our mother's wombs. And, and, and that place is where we start as a parent. We love God first. It's our call. And the second thing is this. The, parent, the commandments that I give you today in verse 6 are to be written upon your hearts. Right? And this is an interesting thing, right? Because there it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. But this one says it's be written on your heart. You know why? Because we're called to live his word. To live his word. This is written at the beginning of Deuteronomy. This is not a mistake. These are recorded to Israel so they would not forget what God is asking them, of them. To live out the truth that they find. Look at how early this comes in the Bible. See where you're at right now? I mean, it's that early. 5,000 years, God's saying, listen, pay attention to what I'm about to say to you. Don't discard it for like the latest philosophy, even your own. Don't discard it for the newest stuff on TV. Get into it. Now here, I'm going to show you two things here that I think are critical if you're going to live God's word in your life. There's two things that are critical. You got to know what it says. Right? I mean, if I gave you a book on how to cook, a, a cookbook on how to make a certain meal in, in your family, but you didn't read it, and you just made a bunch of slop in a bowl, and you're like, I made it. And you're like, you didn't even read the instructions. You have no idea what you're trying to make. And too many of us live our lives like that. We're in our kitchen, and we're just breaking eggs everywhere, and we're going, this ain't working at all, you know? You got to know what it says. And, and I always encourage you to engage in the word for yourself. If I say something up here, don't take my word for it because I'm probably wrong. 
Look it up. Read it. Meditate on it. Talk about it. You've got to know what it says. God's template is first to love him, and secondly, live out his word. I want to take just another second here and talk about why out of your, what's it say? Your heart. Let's read it again. These commands that I give you are to be upon your hearts. This is where they live. You read about them here, but they don't stay here. You, you, you think about them, you read them, you dwell, you pray over it, you're confused by it, you don't understand it, you talk to God about it, but he begins to instill in your heart the commands that you're to hold to live up to. Do you understand this? Now, I'm not going to tell you to make a treadmill that you have to please God on because you can't please God. But what I'm saying to you is that these things get into your heart. Why your heart? Why can't we just say, well, you know, it, it'll be good enough. I've read it. I know what it says. I can refer to it later and I put it on the shelf. Because that's not where life happens. Life doesn't happen on a shelf in the basement. Life happens every day where you are at work, at school, with your friends, when temptation's around, when, when things are going great, when things are going horrible. That's where life happens. And so when he says, these are to be on your hearts, right? These commands I give you today are to be put upon your hearts, to be put on your heart. Why? So we can live in a response, a godly response to our life. So you've got to know what it says, the word, and then you've got you've to put it here in some way that in the, in the heat of battle, in the heat of the moment, day in and day out, it comes out. If you don't think the things, by the way, Jesus said something really cool. Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. Do you know Jesus said that? He said, from the things in your heart, they come out of your mouth. And the problem is that if we aren't in God's word, and if we don't know what it says, and, and we're not living, a, not just, you know, theoretically, but really living out a response to God's word for our life, what happens is we get in the middle of situations, and things come out of our mouth that we go, whoa, where'd that come from? Maybe you don't see it in yourself, but you can see it in others. We were talking this week about uh, how in a line at a gas station, people can get so mad right? Or they, the pump won't work, and you swiped your card, and you're banging on the pump, you're, go, and the person's saying, you know, try it again, please, and you're going, go, and we just go from like zero to a thousand. Why? Because there's something in our hearts that's just coming out, just spewing out. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to park the car, and that person pulls in your spot, the one that you were blinkering for, and you think for a minute, you just take a quick calculation of whose car is more valuable and could you just bump them? <laughs> Will the airbags go off? These things come out. God says, love me and put my word in your heart so that in those times of life, right in the heat of it, you can be like, no, that's, I'm not going to respond like that at all. I'll respond differently. By the way, you know what we're talking about, don't you? Talking about parenting. <laughs> Isn't this funny? You go, this sounds like discipleship. We're talking about parenting. Love God. Live his word. The third reason is going to explain why the first two are so critical. Verse 7 reads like this. And impress them on your children. Look at what it says. Talk about them when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Right? And when is that? That's all the time, 
all the time. The truth of the matter is that if we're loving God and living his word, we're already teaching our children. We're already teaching our children. The word here actually says, impress them upon your children. You know, the image I got is like this stamp, you know, right? Like you're a baby factory. Moms aren't baby factories. That's a terrible thing to say. Do you know what I mean, though? God gave you this child. It's a ridiculous thing. We've talked before about how when you drive away from the hospital and no one's following you, somebody call the cops. You don't know what you're doing. And you think it's better with more kids. It really doesn't. You just go, oh, that one's a mess. Let me try it again. Oh, no. Impress them upon your children. My uncle was a concrete worker, right? And uh, I worked for him for two summers whenever I was 15 before I could legally work for anybody. I worked for my uncle. And, uh, and he would do these awful things like put me in a ditch and make me dig it out for stuff. And, but one of the coolest things, we didn't get to do it very often, but sometimes there'd be a job that was a friend's job or a job that was a family job. And at the end of it all, we would finish the concrete and we would get it all done. It would look really sweet. I wouldn't. My uncle would. He'd get it all done. And we'd say, we'd say, can we put our names in it? please, can we put our names in it? And he'd be like, all right, on the corner. And we'd go over there with a sticker with our finger and we rocks and we'd scratch it out. Why? Because we knew this is going to be here forever. <laughs> you know? My uncle had one pad in his house and he had his kids press their hands into it before it hardened. And now when he walks out, I mean, it's still there. I bet you money, no matter what his life is doing, it's still there. Those impressions that he made with his children when they were little and at home and the family was solid and everything was together, they were all right there, lined up at the concrete. They were made for life. So when the word says, impress these things upon your children, that's the image I get, is, you know, you're going you're gonna to do something here that's going to be a permanent. So if you're going to do something permanent, make it something that's worth putting into your children. Start with the 5,000-year-old advice on parenting. Impress them on your children. The second thing, besides just making this impression, is it's all the time. It's all the time. There's those great commercials on TV right now where the kids act like the parents. I don't know, it's like TLC or something does those commercials where the kids are like freaking out or whatever and then the mom's like, who are you? And then they realize it's them. You know, your kids model your behavior in every way. And the reason that God says that the first command that you have, Israel, the first command that you have, church, the first command that you have created being is to love the one who created you, to live out his word, because then the generations that come after you will be impressed by you. They will be changed by you. So this becomes the three-step. Love God, live his word, and teach by example. I, I, some of you know my story already a little bit. I want to share one, one thing with you today because I feel really compelled to share this. You know, my life was a life. Like, we all have life, and we all have different situations we go through. But one of the things that happened in my life is my mother impressed this upon me as a child that every person has worth. I mean, if there was one thing that she would just repeatedly hammer into me, it was that every person had worth. And you know when she would do it? She didn't have like a, a, a Sunday school lesson. Or she didn't have like a, a time every week that she would teach me these things. It was real life. I'd come home from school and somebody would mean to me that day. And I'd say, oh, I'm, I'm mad. People would mean to me, blah, 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 whatever. And she'd say, Billy, 
Every person has value. No, God made a mistake with that kid. No. And she began by God's grace to build in me a heart of compassion towards others. Even people that would want wrong for us. She would say, no, every person, I don't understand it, but they have value. There were some kids that nobody would hang out with where I grew up. And she would impress that upon me. Every person. What is it for you that you had impressed upon your heart by your parents? Think about that and honor that. Because God has been using them in your life. And God will use you in the life of others. I'm going to give you two examples here from the Bible. And the first is an Old Testament. We'll start here where we're at right now. And the Old Testament example, this is Daniel. Now, Daniel has a whole book that's written by him. And he's a, he's a prophet, right? And a really well-known prophet. And so you can know that about him. But I want to share with you Daniel's story. He was a young man. And he had been raised as a Jew. But they, the, the kingdom fell. And he was taken into captivity. And him and three of his buddies, who were good-looking and kind of smart, were handpicked to learn the ways of Babylon. His three buddies have Jewish names, but you probably know them by their other names, which is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Daniel, this person who was probably formed by the word, had so much character, so many impressions of the word of God on him, so much discernment for the one who made him, that when he went into Babylon and he was there under enemy rule, having to serve the king of the enemy of his people, he was God-honoring. And he instilled in this other kingdom some kind of a respect for God. He rose to power and he, all, and he, he could interpret things that no one else could interpret. I want to share with you what they said about Daniel, what the word says about him here. This is in chapter 1, verse 20. It says, in every matter, look what it says, of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole world. And we want smart kids, Right? We want our kids to do well in school. Do you ever want a kid who could be 10 times wiser than any of the magicians or enchanters of the world? That would be cool. Daniel is an example of that. You'll recall, by the way, that, Sh that um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow to any other god. And that got them in some trouble because they were people of conviction. Do you want to raise children of conviction that stand for something? The Word of God can do that for your family. And the New Testament example I want to share with you is Timothy. And many of you probably know Timothy, and I love Timothy because he's like the youngest guy we find in the New Testament. And Timothy is a cool guy because uh, he's a follower of Jesus. That makes you cool automatically. And then he uh, was handpicked by Paul to be sent into really hard situations. Like Timothy wasn't just like a run-of-the-mill guy. He was someone that Paul says, I can send you right out there, and you're going to handle it. As a matter of fact, church tradition says that Timothy went and oversaw the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is a book. They got their own book in the Bible. They were so bad. <laughs> Paul had to write him a letter. And he sent Timothy there to oversee Ephesus. 
So if you, if you want to know about that, you can read Ephesians. You can also read the book of Timothy, First and Second Timothy. But I want to share with you, because we're talking about parenting, what the Word says about Timothy. Paul says this, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, right, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and then in your mother Eunice, and now, I am persuaded, lives also in you. I want to ask you a question. How would it feel to raise a child that was like a Timothy? How would it feel as a grandparent to have a grandson like Timothy? That you had so much confidence in the character that God had instilled in them. You could just send them in any situation. How would it feel different to know that about our own kids? That we could send them off and we could trust their character, not their circumstance. To stop controlling their environment and just be able to send them out. Lois and Eunice had that pleasure with Timothy. They had raised a God-fearing child. Later on in Timothy, I wanted to share with you what he says here. Paul says, but as for you, continuing what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. That's grandma and mom, right? And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. That's from grandma and mom. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture, Paul says, is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's what the word of God is for in our lives. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And Paul affirms he's found this in Timothy through Lois and Eunice. And then he says this, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know what the word means? It says thoroughly equipped. This was an old sailor's term. They would have these vessels that could be loaded up with everything they needed to prepare for any disaster. And, and, and if there's a disaster anywhere, they could send this ship out and it would have everything it needed in it. It was like the EMS of the day. And Paul is saying here that the word of God will make you a person who is thoroughly equipped to deal with any circumstance in any situation. But I want to remind you how Timothy got there how Daniel got there. Their parents loved God. Their parents lived the word and their parents taught them these things all the time. It was just a natural thing for their lives. We'll talk about three things here. Roots, results, and reward. And then we're going to wrap up today. The roots of wisdom begin with God. This is where everything starts. There's no way around it. And if you're going to go running through the world trying to find your own path, your own situation, somebody's going to agree with you because you like your sin, you're going to find them, but it's going to be lies. And here, the roots of wisdom always begin with God. I want to share a scripture from Proverbs. By the way, if you've never read the Bible, you, I always say start in Mark because it's the gospel of Mark and it's a great place to start. But you can, you can do things in just the word all the time. And one of the things that Corey has advocated for every time he gets a chance is if, if you want to be wise, read a proverb every day. For, if once a month, it'll be a once a month study. 31 proverbs every day. Read a proverb every day. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See the words there again? Wisdom, knowledge, understanding. It's found in God and God alone. 
So the roots of wisdom begins always with God. The second thing here is the results of wisdom come from his word. And I want to show you here from the psalm. Actually, if you could open, I had it on the screens, but it was pretty long. So if you could open, turn to Psalm 119. And I want to do this to you, uh, for you because, to you, right, subject you to this. Um, because this is the longest psalm, I believe, in the Bible. And we're going to read a few verses of it. But the results of wisdom come from the word of God. And I want you to hear with me what scripture says. The psalmist writes like this. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me, listen, wiser than my enemies. Have you ever wanted that in your life? For they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers because I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders because I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might, not, I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, and therefore I hate every wrong path. And the psalmist wraps up here, and you know this verse. Because your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. Right? So the results of wisdom come from God's word. It's a lamp on our feet and a light for the way forward. And it makes us, it causes us to hate every evil path. And now some of you would probably be like me and say, well, that's just one little piece. I would encourage you, the, the read this week is to read that passage. We just read it together. That wasn't hard, right? You could have done that on your own. You can read the whole psalm if you want to, because this psalm pulls no punches. He talks about the good times and the bad times, the awesome times and the not-so-awesome times. But the truth is that God's word is faithful for all times, good and bad. And Psalm 119 presents that to us in a very clear way. The last thing here is the rewards of wisdom, and this is awesome, are wise children. The results of or the, the rewards are wise children. If you want to have wise children, listen to what the Proverbs say. By the way, Proverbs written by King Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, says this, My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad. My inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. And this is, uh, this is the ultimate you know, parenting moment. And I don't know like where you are, but I think no matter who you are, if you could look at your kids and say, man, they're, they're, they're smarter than me. They made better decisions than I ever made. Praise God. That's the kind of kids I, I want to raise. I do. I want kids that are so thoroughly sold out to God that they amaze me. Not for my sake, but for theirs. It's the best thing going. The rewards of wisdom are wise children. And so there we have it. Now, the family challenge this week, I'm going to throw them out there real quick, and then we're going, to, we're going to have the band come back up and we'll sing one more song. But the family challenge is this. It's going to ask three questions. How do I love God? And I cannot tell you how you are called to love God in your life, but I pray that you will work it out that you will prayerfully and seriously consider what the God who made you is asking of you and respond in kind. 
That is work for you to do. So the first family challenge is to figure out in your life how you can love God most effectively. The second is how can I live his word? And I mentioned it already, but you can read the Bible and read it every day. And if, if you can do the Proverbs thing, if you can do just one piece of Proverbs, if you can just do one little thing, take, one, take 90 seconds in the morning and open the word and read a passage and then go to work and let it dwell. Go to class and let it dwell. There are all kinds of ways to get the word into your life, but I challenge you to find a way to live his word by ingesting it every day. And then the third family challenge is to teach your children to do the same, but the truth is that uh, this comes automatically because if you sell out to following God in your life, if you say no more jokes, no more, no more playing around, I'm going to go 100% Everything I am, all that I have, I'm going to turn to you, God. Your kids will be impacted in ways you can't imagine. And so the third flows from the first two. Teach your children to do the same. The truth is, there are no perfect families. And I did say it earlier, and we feel it in our family. You, you messed up with that one, so you try it again. Our call is not to be perfect parents. Our call is not to sit and mourn and go, oh, I screwed up. God, I'm so sorry. Kids, I'm so sorry. And our kids become victims. Our call is to do everything in our power with God's help to raise godly and wise children. And so in that way, I say, we aren't in this alone because God is with us. And when you can trust your children to God, you've gotten, you've gotten somewhere in your life. So I'm going to ask you right now to pray with me. We're going to have the band come up. We're going to sing a closing song. I pray that this week would be your response to the word today. Pray with me if you would. Father God, we thank you so much for the gift of children. And we thank you not just for, for, for those that we have been given, you know, as children, but even those around us we influence. We act like we live in a vacuum, Father, that it's just me and who cares? It doesn't matter. And today, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would convince us, would impress upon our hearts that we are affecting others. That the choices that we make in life just spill out on everybody around us. And we pray today, especially for families, for siblings, for parents, for children, that you would work your miracles in their life that you would call them to be sold out followers of you. And then I pray, Father, that we can stand back and we can go, wow, I didn't see that coming at all. God, you're so cool. You're doing such cool stuff. And that's for you to do, not for us. And we just wait for it. We long for your kingdom to be made here on earth in that way. So we give you thanks and praise. We send every blessing we can out the door with the families today. Thank you, Father, for your blessings upon us. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen.